Welcome to ABB and the Complete Truth. I am your mistress of ceremonies, Diana. Here are the boys, Alan, Brian, and Bill. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, friends. Today, we have a very special episode. But before we get into that, we got to get into this. What now? All right. You know how much I hate Atlanta traffic. Yeah, it's becoming a regular thing on the show. It really is. And it should be because it's regularly a pain in my ass. Right. So last night, the Atlanta Hawks went and did something they had no business doing whatsoever. They what? beat the Boston Celtics to force a game six. Uh, so are you, are you mad about the game six or are you just mad because they beat Boston? No, I'm mad because now it creates the world's largest traffic controversy because you've now kicked Janet Jackson out of State Farm Arena, moved her over to Friday night, when all the Swifties are in town, which might as well be the furries, for God's sakes, because they're the same. So. You're going to alienate people in our audience. Well, th that's that. fine. I mean, if you want to wear a fur furry Taylor Swift, Janet Jackson no, costume, was, I'm fine with that. I was referring to Swifties. Oh, well, you know, they got their place. And apparently it's here all weekend. Right. Mercedes. Mercedes Benz, three nights sold out, you know, 100 million 14-year-olds running around in tank tops and shit. And... Now we got to deal with all of this. And it's all because the Hawks went ahead and did something they should never have done. They won. They won, which is impossible because... Sounds like a protest in the making. Well, it doesn't <laughs> sound like a pro team in the making. They had no business winning that game. <laughs> no, I'm happy for the Hawks. I'm no. happy for the Hawks. Great. It's, it's a good thing, but you're right. It's going to be a total disaster. You think you're going to leave an hour and a half early to get to the game? Yeah, no. 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 It ain't happening. <laughs> it ain't happening. And, I mean, there's one thing that you can always say about Atlanta, and I'll get it to you right off the rip. The complete truth is traffic in this town, especially around the World Congress Center, is awful. Yeah. And you know who's going to experience it the most tomorrow night? Our friend Greg Hagu, who's got to work in the middle of the belly of the beast. <laughs> he's going to go to CNN Center to get lunch, and he's going to have to stand behind like 1,400 girls singing, you know, Tay Tay songs. Yeah, and he can't even get a hotel room. I would say, right. a room with the no, army or whatever. I'm sure it's sold out. Of course it is. He could sleep in his car. Well, he could, but I mean, have you been in his car? It's not <laughs> a lot of room. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy's not even here to defend himself. Well, you know, he's getting, he's going to get his chance coming up on episode number 103. Awesome. Which will be this weekend. So, you know, stay tuned to our future guest, future guest, and our Facebook page. Because, and I have to tell you this, and I have to ask you this question. What's the most questions you've gotten this week about? Uh, where else can we get Where else can we listen can we to get the, the podcast, podcast, right? Can we only get it off a podcast, or can we only get it off your Facebook? Exactly. Bill had the same questions. Mm -hmm. So just to inform our listeners to make sure that they understand where we're at in the process, we've had a little bit of distribution issues, and we've been trying to get things worked out. But luckily, for your, you know, for your good and for ours, Alan and I went ahead and we hired the law firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, and they're on it, and they're working it out for us, and they're going to get us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and everything, and that's coming in May. So if you need them, Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe is located at 8675309 Peachtree in Atlanta, and just give them a call at that number, and they will help you out with all your legal needs. And for that, I am very thankful. So, Alan. Yes. <laughs> do you have anything to add to the conversation before we bring on our first guest uh, not to talk about traffic but i do want to congratulate you i mean brian and i are huge hockey fans and you know being from pittsburgh and him being from boston you know i'm a penguins fan until they're not in it anymore so the penguins for the first time in 17 years are not in the playoffs. that's true yeah, so i gotta give kudos to <laughs> i gotta give kudos to you and your bruins they're doing a great job. I appreciate that. All right. I think we're starting to get off the rails already. <laughs> Perfect. Off the rails already? Jeez. She hasn't even yelled at us yet. Not yet. But all right. So we're going to be prepared. I think our guest is arriving. So uh, let's get the show on the road there. If we must. Hold on. I got to enter my passcode. You should be more prepared for these things. We're only five minutes in.
It is with great pleasure and an honor for all of us here at ABB and the Complete Truth to welcome to the show, Bobby Ella. Hey there, Bobby. Hey, Al, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Glad to have you with us. Oh, glad to be here with you guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so not only is Bobby a guest on our show, we are guests in his house. Exactly. This is coming to you. This podcast is coming to you from somewhere way up in the sticks. I don't know what they call it. Yeah, it's the only way I would do the show, actually. You guys yeah. <laughs> had to be done at Casa de Eller, which now makes us a mobile podcast for all your mobile podcast needs for birthdays. Bar mitzvahs. Bar mitzvahs. Don't forget them. Weddings. Weddings. We don't want to alienate anybody like you always accuse me of doing. Just uh, just don't call us. We're not interested. Yeah, no, we have no no idea why we would even mention such a thing, but we did. So whatever it is, what it is. So guys, we got to bring this up, man. Mm -hmm. The sale of the Hot for Teacher guitar went down. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Sotheby's three point three million dollars. I have my own conspiracy theory about this, which I'll get into. <laughs> okay, but your thoughts. Bobby, we'll start with you. Uh, you know, I, it's that's that's a tough one, honestly. Uh, that guitar was put together in the factory by Eddie and used for the video. I'm sure he used it on stage quite a bit, and maybe even in the studio. Um, but they're still talking about Kurt Cobain and Eric Clapton's guitars being sold for more. And I just want to remind everybody: this is not the Frankenstein guitar right here. Right. Okay, this is just some something he slapped together in a freaking production warehouse right. and shot a video. As far as I'm concerned, obviously I'd love to have it too. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think whoever got it probably got a bargain because it's only going to go up in value. Yeah. So, well, I, I heard that not only did the guy who bought it or the person who bought it, they didn't get just get to the, the guitar. They got the white gloves and the straight jacket that Eddie wore in the video for Hot for Teacher as well. Right. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And a nice plush case. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so my yeah. conspiracy theory about this is, first of all, the history of the guitar. So after it was used briefly, it got sold at a charity auction. The money got to the charity, but the guitar stayed with the guy that was running the charity. Hmm. And he gave it to his kid. Well, as you do. Right. <laughs> and then a couple of years down the road, his kid sells it off to a music store. <laughs> he Probably didn't pennies it. on a dollar <laughs> for like two grand. Yeah, right. right. Well, he thought it was a knockoff. Yeah, right. Right. So he needs some cash, so he gets a couple of grand for it. And then somehow the Van Halen estate finds out about it, and they pay the kid to get the guitar back just so they can go ahead and sell it. Right. So my theory is, after looking up Wolfgang Van Halen's net worth yesterday, which happens to be $20 million, I think he bought it. And that's why he's staying anonymous, because he wanted something back. Although he is the heir, so he probably has Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, he definitely has that and many others. And many others, he's, yeah. yeah. He's got the, you know, the dragon guitar, everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and his net worth is $20 million. I mean, yeah. He's got a clever accountant. <laughs> Actually, he's done quite well for him. Oh, yeah. No, he, and, and deservedly so. Yeah, I, I would say that's on his own rights is what he's worth there. But again, right. as far as his overall net worth, you know, that's oh, it's, it's, it's well over a hundred million. Yeah, yeah, it's it's million. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean I'm Jesus, sure that studio alone. I mean, God, you couldn't put a price on it. Same thing with the, the Frankenstein guitar. I mean, he's never going to sell it. But if he did, I mean. It'd be the most expensive guitar ever made ever. Yeah. and ever sold. And I don't think that record would ever be broken. I mean, you know, Jimi Hendrix's guitars don't sell as much as Kurt Cobain's one of a kind, you know, right. if you will, acoustic guitar, which probably won't trade hands maybe once or twice again in its lifetime. Right. Uh, the Frankenstein guitar? Shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's something you need. That to thing, I mean, it'd be going up by 10 million, 10 million every year. Well, I, I know, mean, honestly, I, I hope that thing's in Fort Knox because I know there's room because there's no gold there. Right. So there's plenty of room, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's fortified. So we should be good if it was in there. Now, you know, I did hear, I read somewhere that uh, the Smithsonian was actually going to get a donation of one of his guitars. Yeah. I don't I did know which too. one it was, but that's another one of those national treasures i mean jesus i hope it's the yellow and black one yeah i was just save the woman no no guitars. that's oh that one yeah that's the uh the i guess it's the dragon guitar he called it or whatever yeah. it used to be a ibanez uh destroyer uh when he purchased it right uh that would make sense yeah that would be cool as that yeah, i thought you were talking about the, the bumblebee one that he buried with dime bag no no yeah. no not that one where is it <laughs> Thank you. 
which leads me into the question of the day. <laughs> Bobby, uh-huh. question we ask everybody. You are no exception. How did you come to get into this business? How did I come to get in this business? Uh, well, I mean, honestly, uh, I mean, I've been doing this since I was a little kid, to be honest. Uh, I mean, working at the church uh, where I grew up on Marco Island, uh, the parishioners, we actually built the church. I'm talking about, you know, pouring the concrete, everything. I was small enough to where they could tie a cable to my belt loop and I could run the rafters. And so I helped wire up the the main uh, main part of it. And then... Uh, promptly got in trouble when I was about 12 years old and I had to go run lights and sound for the church on Wednesdays and Sundays <laughs> for like a summer, uh, you know, and been in bands all my life and, you know, setting up back line and, you know, eventually grew up into a band that was, you know, actually putting on shows. We put up our own lights and our own, we'd go rent Marshall Tucker's PA, uh, used to be stored down off Buford highway. And, uh, you know, so I just been in pretty much my whole life, uh, getting professional here in Atlanta. That was, uh, one of those things, hey man, what are you doing tonight? Do you have a wrench? A C wrench. What's a C wrench? <laughs> Crescent wrench. Oh yeah, yeah, of course I got one of those. Yeah. And uh yeah, I went out and did it out and uh, you know, there you go. They actually would pay you for that shit, <laughs> which they don't do when you're in the band. <laughs> well, that's kind of a what we were going at. The uh everybody that we asked, including ourselves, how'd you get into this business? Almost ninety five percent of the people say well, I was a musician. Right. <laughs> and it was an easy transfer to cross over. Yeah. I was setting this shit up anyway, so might as well get paid for it. Yeah. 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 Certainly not getting more than a bar tab with the band. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, for to get the production end of it rolling, mm-hmm. your role primarily today in today's world is a project manager. Yes, it is. Uh, pretty much exclusively. I mean, I, you know, on show side, I might end up having to be a playback guy or, you know, like a various positions, right. uh, you know, usually for a brief time, but sometimes, you know, you end up in that position because, you know, somebody you get doesn't actually get it. So you have to be over there to push a button sometimes. So yeah, guidance so, counselor. Yeah. But yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Project management is definitely what I've been doing for the better part of the last two decades at this point. So, right. And I've done quite a few shows with you yeah, as a project absolutely. manager. Those yeah. were fun times. Yeah. For sure. yeah. But ex- explain like what exactly is the duties of a project manager and when do you get involved in a project? Right. Uh, well, getting involved, that's going to, it's a case by case. Um, you know, I mean, I've tried to explain to so many people over the years. I mean, you get, you get companies that'll like try to bring in a new GM and they're like, Oh no, he's very successful at this particular business. And they want to try to run the business like that. And you got to look at every show as its own business. Uh, so when I get involved in it, it can be in the creative process. It can be, uh, you know, shortly after the creative process and starting to put together drawings for like, you know, the layout of the room and things of that nature. Um, or it can be a last minute, Hey, uh, you know, sometimes as a freelance project manager, you, you come in three days before the show, they hand you a a quote and say, this is what the show is. You know, right. uh, here's a napkin. Let me show you where, here's where the stage goes. <laughs> <laughs> and you go out and deal with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've been on shows with, with you many times and I've seen some of the things that you have to go through, <laughs> you know, uh, two pallets worth of feeder doesn't show up 3000 sure. miles away and yeah. other things that you have to procure for the event. I mean, how much, how much interaction do you have with the event space or, you know, when you do these different shows? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm very much detached at the hip uh, with the venue for the most part uh, in most cases. I mean, again, it, it's a company by company or show by show basis. That this happens. I mean, depending on where you get in the process, but uh, yeah, it's not unusual at all for me to be, you know, specking the stage for the show, showing them where it goes, you know, the electrical side of it, the security side of it, uh, obviously the docks, uh, you know, even down to the houseman. Cause I mean, you know, as a project manager, nine times out of 10, you're, you're doing a drawing, you're telling them where the tables go. You're right. telling them what time to come in, what tables can't go in until after, you know, I give the clearance. Cause I've still got to project, you know, projectors get focused, all this kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very much tied to, to the venue itself and, you know, to varying degrees to the actual client and client, uh, you know, getting their ideas and trying to fine tune what their vision is for the show. I mean, uh, luckily, we're at a point in the company that I work for now that we we will help guide them on that journey, you know, and help dig out their their vision and then, you know, basically breathe life into it. And it's 
you know, I've, I've gone through every imaginable scenario of, <laughs> you know, the degree of involvement. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's better when you just get there last minute and, you know, Hey, the trucks are going to hit the dock in five minutes. Can you go ahead and take care of this and make this into a show? <laughs> uh, and sometimes it's absolutely beneficial that you're there from day one. Uh, it just, it comes down to the client and their attitude and, you know, it's, uh, in the venues attitude, you always just got to work with those folks and, you know, it, it's one goal, you know, they, they don't get paid if the show doesn't go well either. Right. <laughs> you know, so let me, let me come at this from path. a, from a little bit of a different angle and, you know, truth be told to the people out there, Bobby and I worked together for years and years okay. and years and managed many different venues and, you know, come up very much the same ladder. Um, of course I was always in the lead, but uh, yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> it's just cause I'm older. Um, you'll get used to it. No, the show goes on. I'll, okay. <laughs> I'll ask this, I'll ask this question, but I'll ask it to both of you actually. So obviously you know how to handle it if it gets dropped in your lab. Sure. Did you prefer it when we were all on the same team in the same building and we started from the very beginning of the creative process from all the stupid meetings that we used to do sure yeah all the way through until the end where we controlled the narrative the entire time that was absolutely great uh fantastic uh and i gotta preface that with by saying that because it was us uh and you're absolutely right yeah brian is actually one of the reasons why i am a project manager uh you know somebody Todd Turner actually told you, yeah, this guy used to work in the restaurant business. He can, you know, he can multitask. And, so, and uh, we're going to talk about Minolta yeah. later. <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, it, it, it was different. I mean, it doesn't always happen the same way, even though, you know, the way we did it was basically from the day one process right. until the truck doors are closing because we're done loading out. Uh, and we were involved with every facet of it uh, throughout that experience. Uh, now that happens with some companies and it's not going to be the same experience. Right. Uh, so yes, in, in the instances that you're talking about, absolutely. That was the best ever. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing for me back then was the process is what I fell in love with because whether it be Alan or it was Greg or even Jeffrey, mm -hmm. we started it with a concept an idea basically, and then built that idea into a drawing. And then that drawing became a gear list. And then that gear list went into prep and then all of us doing our part and especially a, the amazing amount of cross renting oh, yeah. that we used to do for this. <laughs> and thank right. God to yeah. all the vendors that came yes, through indeed. for us over yeah. the years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'd get that phone call from you usually at the hotel bar. <laughs> you know, got the boys at the bar, trucks closed, they're on their way back. Right. The only unfortunate thing for me during that time in your career is that I wasn't on the other side of it where I could get to be there with you. Right. Yeah. yeah like I've done true. a million shows with AK 57 over here and you know, the ones we do together are great. The ones right. that he draws and they go out like boardwalk hall, for example, which <laughs> was an award-winning show. Yes. Yes, yes it, it was. was. Um, you know, I got to build the set for that. Right. And that's just, you know, for, for the people that want to get into the production business, I, I would say this, and you guys chime in and tell me what you think, but I think that the reason you get into this business and you do this business is two reasons. Number one, you, you like the technical challenge of it, but number two is for the camaraderie of the people that you work with, because to pull off events at the half million to a million dollar scale, it takes so much teamwork to get it done. And if you don't have that, and, and, and i.e. if you don't have a good project manager, which I joked about earlier, being the guidance counselor, a lot of times when you are the PM, that's what you are. Yeah, glorified yeah, you babysitter, know. yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sometimes. You got to talk this guy into doing his job, and you got to talk this guy out of trying to do his job for right, him, right. you know. Yeah. I never looked at you as a guidance counselor, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think I was maybe the one of the few on the crew that was like, I'm just going to leave Bobby alone because <laughs> he's already got enough on his plate. I'll figure my part out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And again, you know, as a project manager, you, you do your best to, you know, try to assemble good crews. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, guy, you know, I've always been blessed with working with guys that have been in this business longer than I have and are better at it than me, however you want to look at it. And I had enough sense to, you know, take the Howard Hughes approach, you know, hire somebody that's better at their job than you are yours and then let them do their job. Right. Uh, so I was, I've always been very lucky in that sense. And nine times out of 10, you, you get to do that when you have quality techs, you know, uh, 
you know, as a PM, your job is basically to make sure they get all the gear they need, have the information they need and have the time they need and help. Uh, you know, after that, you know, can you sit in their chair while they give you take a pee in the middle of the show? You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, that's the glamorous side of show business. Yeah, people. absolutely, man. Hey, man, it's been three hours. When's our next break? Two more hours. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> and you're right, though. It, it is about the people. Um, plain and simple, when we were doing all those MLM shows, they were big and they were in big sure. venues. And we had a massive crew. And there wasn't a weak spot on that crew. We had yeah, fantastic it crew. was. I would have taken that crew out to do any show anywhere. I that, mean, that was actually one of the crews I was most proud of ever absolutely. being a part of. Yeah. Without a doubt, in my my career as well. I mean, it's yeah, it's like I said, it's one of those crews that I, I don't care what the event is, whether it's you know live music or you know presidential inauguration. That crew could have just nailed it. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah, with minimal worries, you know. Yeah, and we're going to try to get some of those crew guys on, but this is a yeah. this is like old time radio. This is pay to play. You want to get on here, <laughs> and you want us to mention your name, you got to pay us. Right. That's, uh, well, you know, we're freelancers here. Yeah, that's how I got on the show, folks. Uh, we're doing the show here at my house because I promised I'd cook them dinner. <laughs> Gentlemen, please, can we not go off the rails for once? Jesus, I was just about to, I was just starting to have fun. What's that all about? Hey, man, she's had an attitude all morning. She was bitching at me the whole way here, man. It's the rain. Unbelievable. <laughs> I think she's mad because she didn't get tickets for night one of Taylor Swift. She only got two and three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Everybody knows two my, and three. Or... I gave up my comp to another person, so now she's all mad at me. So she'll be yelling at us the whole show. You know, but, you know, what can you say? It's the final brain cell. We don't gonna quit yeah I'm telling you, she's going to quit well i'm gonna deport her ass so don't worry about it <laughs> oh man uh, so how do you go about this what would you say in your past experience prior to because when you first came into the business you came into the business as sound guy yeah yeah and you rapidly got promoted to project manager. I know that because I'm the one that did it. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> I told you, this is going to keep going on. <laughs> but what would you attest to in your past experience and some of the other jobs that you had? Like, as for example, you were a session musician. Right. Yeah. And that kept you in that side of the business, sure. which is the artist side of it. Right. Right. So, so it kind of makes you a little bit more qualified to understand that everyone thinks they're talent. Right. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and then before that, you were a restaurant manager. Sure. Yep. And um, of course, you come from a very successful family yep. from yep. Florida. Yeah. And I'm sure you learned lots of things about lots of things from sure. your dad and oh, yeah. and yeah. and all that. And then, of course, you were in successful bands of your own with your brother. Right. Johnny, who, by the way, is an amazing guitar player. He is. Um, so just elaborate on that and, you know, somehow work in the fact that you work for Minolta. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things, uh, um, the old adage, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, I've lived that life. I, I started my first full-time job at 13, uh, you know, seriously, wow. 40 hours a week. No kidding. Still going to high school, had to get good grades in order to have the job, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, my dad, my stepfather, who is dad, uh, he was a su successful man, uh, but he was the hardest working person you've ever met right. i mean you know he quit school at, at the age of 12 during the depression and you know wow yeah and built it from there huh? right you know well because his father took off and he was the oldest of seven so he had to you know take care of his family at, at 12 years old he had that kind of you know That's mindset so yeah there wasn't a whole lot of you know throwing ball and fucking around you know right. I mean, if you want to go hunting or fishing dad's your guy you know but uh <laughs> you know uh yeah but, yeah couldn't throw football uh, so when I asked to get a job, he was like, yeah, get out there. <laughs> I can find you some more work around the house. It's like, no, I'd rather dig ditches <laughs> for money. Yeah. For money. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to get up to $3 a week, you know, wow. scraping barnacles off the bottom of the boats and washing the fire trucks down the road, you know, anyway. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the work ethic thing was always pounded into my head, you know, from very young age. Of course I came off of that, you know, when I discovered the guitar, uh, and other things about the same time. Um, and it, I, the work ethic did stay, but I, I concentrated so much on being a guitarist. I was going to be a rock star. There, right. was, no, there was no denying it. Uh, and I jumped head first and all that uh, at a very young age. As soon as I got to Atlanta, I was 17, um, living on my own. 
and starting bands and, you know, flying here and there, playing guitar, you know, in, in studios and just having a ball with it, man. And there, there was no way it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, well, it turns out, you know, there was a million other guys doing the exact same thing. Right. And you just, you know, right place at the right time. It doesn't come down to talent always. And, you know, back then it was more about talent. Nowadays, I don't know what they're doing, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, so that's how I started getting into, you know, like I said earlier, you know, that I started getting into the the whole technical side of, you know, doing shows, you know, at the same time when I was young, uh, working on the island, I mean, started doing that. So I always had that as a background thing. Um, but I wanted to be the artist and I came to Atlanta and I, you know, went to school. I haven't really told many guys this, but I went to MBI to learn how to do sound and video and all that good shit because right. I knew that I was going to be recording and doing shows. I just thought I was going to be on stage and I wanted to make sure that the guy pushing the buttons was doing it right. You know, right. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <my line. laughs> you know, well, I mean, that's, that's exactly why I went, you know, and I want to learn copyright law cause I'm a songwriter and I, you know, want to, you know, get paid. So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, I did that forever and pursued that diligently came real close. Uh, you know, I had like three different record contracts offered and just always thought that, there was going to be a better one come down. I mean, you know, one of them was like, okay, yeah, we'll sign you, you and the drummer, you know, you write the songs, keep the drummer. He's real good. We're going to get rid of the lead singer slash bass player and we'll, we'll get you a guy. And I was like, no, fuck you. We're a band. Right. right. You know, so um, yeah, we'll, we'll get the next one. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it yeah. turns out three was my limit. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. So, three yeah, was my exactly. limit. I sent you three. Ruby, baby. <laughs> yeah. I sent you three boats, you know, hey, God, why didn't you help me in the, in the plug? <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, as it turns out, it's probably best that I didn't uh, become a rock star at that age um, because I was very self-destructive at the time. And, uh, yeah, probably wouldn't be alive to be having this conversation with you fine people. So uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd still be <laughs> I'd have haunted you guys regardless. Uh, but, yeah. Um, so once I started getting out of that, I, I got into a few other things. It's just, you know, doing jobs to make ends meet. And, uh, you know, hell, I've, I, I was in fire sprayed on fire protection uh, i was doing beam calculations for like the, the gymnasium at, uh, up in uh, chattanooga uh in, anyway yeah i can't even remember this so long ago <laughs> yeah i had no business doing that at the time either i mean but back then there were no computers so seriously there was it was hard to screw that kind of shit up because there was just big books right. you know and they'd tell you what size i beams and how far the spread was and that would tell you what the load point was and Right. And if the load point was off, you could just right. take that big ass book and stick it right. underneath right. it. Right. And exactly. There you go. Yeah. But I mean, it's like, you know, you just copy down what's in the book and here, here's your, here's your thing. Somebody draw this, you know, uh, which back at the time was a draftsman. Right. You know, <laughs> different thing altogether than what we do now. But uh, so I came up through that and uh, basically I had worked in restaurant business, you know, on and off since again, I was, you know, 13. Right. Because hell, working at the country club, you know, mowing grass wasn't enough. I had to, have a night job down at the pizzeria so I can meet girls. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, I'd also picked up a guitar that same year. And it turns out, hey, girls like guys that play guitar and work at pizza shops. <laughs> 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 so, uh, you know, I dabbled in and out of that for, for years as well. And uh, here in Atlanta, I worked at a great restaurant, uh, Rio Bravo. It's no longer a part of our world. But, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. And it was the hottest freaking thing in Atlanta. It was one of the biggest growing chain restaurants uh, ever. I mean, you know, 300% growth year over end. And I was just a punk kid, you know, and I was barely in my twenties. Um, what was the name of it again? Rio Bravo. Ding. Yeah. Unpaid advertisement. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ray's going to love it. Yeah. But uh, you know, it was, it was a great thing. I think, it, you know, like I'm sure you've heard a million times and because a million people have said it. I think it should be college curriculum. I mean, really, or even high school class that you have to go work in the service industry because it'll teach you just invaluable lessons in life among a great sphere of, you know, topics. But it, for me, the biggest thing was, you know, the psychology behind the human being. I mean, yeah, you turns out you do get more flies with honey. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, you, you can walk in and again, how this applies to being a project manager. I mean, you can walk in and be a shithead and just, you know, start barking orders right out the door and it'll get done. You know, you come in and you be nice and turns out it'll probably get done two hours sooner and, you know, everybody leaving will be smiling and they'll be happy to come back the next day and run your cable under the stage. Right. You right. Know? So 
you know, that was, like I said, that's just one of those invaluable lessons, life skills of just being able to read a room and read people and, you know, just a lot of different mindsets that came along with that. And, uh, and then there was Minolta. (laughs) (laughs) That was a very brief stint in my life. Amen. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I, uh, Minolta is a fine corporation and they've been doing things in the technology world uh, that are mind blowing. I mean, the Hubble telescope has a Minolta lens in it, yes, for it Pete's does. sake. Uh, you know, they, they do a lot of really cool things. Among them is uh, copying machines. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and they lead the area in that charge too. They, they, they have do. the best technology. I mean, you know, Xerox is, you know, like Kleenex. You know, I mean, everybody refers to a <laughs> tissue as Kleenex and everybody, go get me a Xerox, you know, but it turns out most of the machines, 80% of the Xeroxes are Minolta parts. Uh, if you're looking at a Konica, it is 100% Minolta parts. I only learned all this during the training uh, sessions at BBC <laughs> for Minolta. Yeah, because once you get hired, which was a fairly easy process, but once you get hired, they send you up to DC for like, I think it was two weeks, two and a half weeks, something like that. And you're basically in camp and you learn every product they got, the history of it, you know, the reasons why these things do their, as well as the capacity of the machines they have. Um, it was a lot to pack in that short amount of time. I bet. And then you get back, you know, stateside, if you will. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and they give you a territory and they said, go out and sell, you know, be fruitful. Uh, <laughs> and it, it was it was door to door. Oh, I mean, literally, you're just going through business areas. Mine was down off Fulton Industrial, as it turns out, yeah. uh, in that whole area. Ironic. And, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Later, yeah. Steaming bowl of foreshadowing. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I would go to businesses' doors and knock on them. And, you know, I would. they had they had a script you pretty much worked. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm not trying to, you know, appreciate you opening the door. I know you're busy. <laughs> you know, I can't memorize it exactly. But uh you would basically just try to get the name and contact information of the person that makes those type of decisions. And nine times out of 10, you'd get their gatekeeper. And then you'd start doing the, the cold call from that uh, if you could get that information. And then, you know, you'd dive in and figure out what kind of, you know, paper needs they had because, you know, paper was still a thing back then. Right. Uh, and you would tailor pick a machine that we had for all their applications and the growth of, and you'd sell them like, Shit, you know, we got a maintenance package right here. If you pay $180 a month, you know, you get free paper. No, it's it's not in. You know, it's not it's not as bad as you think. Because I mean, somebody's counting the beans over it. What oh, I don't yeah. care if it's Nancy's hair salon or you know whatever. You know, somebody's counting it. You know, so $180 worth of paper on top of we'll come out anytime, any day and fix the problem within 20 minutes type of thing. Yeah. That's worth the you know that extra 180 bucks. You yeah. know, plus. The, I'd talk them into a lease of the machine so they could write it off and, and actually own it and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's give and take on that. I mean, I'm looking for my pen right now. I'm ready to sign up. <laughs> yeah, great company. Uh, I did not last long there. Uh, about as long as it's taken me to explain all this to you. Because uh, it turns out, you know, I mean, I got into it because I heard sales is one of those things that you can do that, you know, the sky's the limit. If you can, if you can sell, you can set your own salary. You know, it's just a, how much do you want to make? How much do you want to work? And, you know, it, I'm sure that's true. It just wasn't <laughs> applying to me because I mean, I just, I, I couldn't get off their script, even though I can't quote it now, but I mean, I, I just was so robotic at that shit, you know, and, and I wasn't, I did not do all the due diligence. In other words, if I walked in there like, oh yeah, we were thinking about getting a new copy, boom, I'll find the, yeah, okay, you need the 250 XL, <laughs> you know, it's a dig, digital mamma jamma. It'll spit out 75 copies in a minute. And, and I never bother asking what they use their copier for you know i mean they have, <laughs> they have these little you know desktop things like i got over there you know and you know i print out like four sheets a month <laughs> you know <laughs> but you know i, I got a, i got one they could do the all you know all four sheets in like three seconds so you know and then i was gone before the you know before it was done yeah, it was before they could complain so yeah that was my minolta thing oh, uh, i i find it funny that you say you know paper is a thing from way back when yeah because i seem to remember doing shows with you where <laughs> you give out the project manager's bible of the show and it's sure. bigger than any holy bible i've ever seen <laughs> yes you yes know, and that, there's that's not very a, true there's not a single thing that's not in this book <laughs> and, and the funniest thing about the book well the, yeah the funniest thing about the book is when i would have a question or somebody would have a question and it's like well what are we doing about this and you would get this <sighs> It's on page 19. That's why I send out the book. So I don't have to take these phone calls on my day off. 
right, right. Well, you know, I'm telling you, man, uh, you know, I tried to get every bit of information. Like I said, the most important part for a, a project manager is getting the right gear, the right information, blah, blah, blah. Well, that was part of it. Uh, I wanted to have everything written down. And it also was, you know, several fold. One being that it helped me memorize what the hell was supposed to happen on these days and, you know, what <laughs> right. we were going to do to make it happen. Um, but in putting together the book, I just thought it would be a good idea to have it and, uh, you know, get it into my head and also get it into y'all's hands. And yes, it was a process putting that thing together because it could be, you know, a document that's, there'd be several different formats of documents used to create the whole thing. And by the time I got it all laid out and blah, 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 I would know what was on every page. And sometimes it was 37, 40 pages, yeah. you know, and you know, that was just because I had to look at it all damn day for, right. you know, a week putting it together and then the next change would come in and I'd change that document and didn't change the whole document. And, you know, so uh, my favorite part about it was, is I, I tried to give some incentive. There was always somewhere on one of the pages, a coupon that I'd made uh, that, that said, <laughs> you know, if the bearer of this coupon can find me and say, I read the whole damn thing, I will buy you a drink. I remember those coupons. Yeah, yeah. And, and in fine print underneath, it said, if you ask me a question about anything contained in this book, you owe me a drink. <laughs> I got a lot of free drinks. Out of life, right? <laughs> yeah. And there were a couple of things you started putting in there at the end that I wasn't very too appreciative. Uh, like your room number? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, 7 p.m. on Tuesday, parties in Alan's room. Yeah. Well, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well. <laughs> but there was that. It was absolutely, you know, the best project manager book. And you have definitely been the best project manager I've worked with in, uh, a, long, in a long time, if ever. Oh, well, you know? thank you very much, man. I, I, I truly, coming from you, I mean, that, that, that's... It's a high compliment. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> oh, man. You better save the women and children first because that's on page 21, motherfucker. <laughs> and there's a coupon for it. Where do we take them? Oh, that's on page 23. You take them to the bar. <laughs> Drink. Uh, as you all can tell, it's a little bit of a Van Halen theme day today in honor of the great EVH. Indeed, always been one of my favorites. Uh, that cat taught me how to play guitar. Him, uh, Alex Lifeson, and so many others. You and me both, man. <laughs> it's not Alan's fault. He's a bass player. It's, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's a different thing. Yeah. A whole different Billy thing. Sheen conversation. Yeah, Michael, I can't believe I missed those guys. They were just in town like two weeks ago. Where they're Winery at? Dogs? Winery Dogs. Yeah, 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 I was out of town too. I wanted to see them yeah, so bad. They're down in Chile, I guess, today. But uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted to see them. And, and the uh, the Sittery Winery of all places. Yeah. You know, I haven't been to a show there. I have. I, I went have. and saw Rick Emmett uh, play there. You know, he, for years and years after Triumph, Rick Emmett, who's a fantastic guitar player, another one of my great teachers, uh, he, he'd go out and do his solo stuff, but it, he got into jazz really. Oh, yeah. And he was really good at it. It was always entertainment, you know, but, you know, in inspiration as well. But this last time I saw him, he was at the, the City Winery. And I mean, you're not much further than we are, you know, and most of his shows were that way. It was a smaller audience, but uh, yeah, he played the hits and I mean, nothing but uh, him. He had an accompanying guitar player that was fantastic as well. And they, it was all acoustic. Uh, as a matter of fact, I went out and bought one of the guitars that Rick was playing like the next week. Uh, <laughs> it's sitting right in there. It's one of my favorites now. Um, awesome. But yeah, it, it was uh, an incredibly cool venue i mean the parking's easy um it's it's small it's a restaurant yeah. you do stop eating before the actual band says or, i mean they'll come grab your plate you know mm -hmm. mouthful uh, you know you know we're starting <laughs> and uh but yeah it's just the artist and it's crazy cool the artists they get in there i mean shaka Khan for pete's sake you know yeah. but they're right there and they'll stop in between songs and just have a conversation with you you know i mean it's a quick conversation because they're you know playing right. but yeah they'll talk to you and answer your questions and ask you questions and you know you know, you know I, I remember when chastain used to be like that back in the day yeah, yeah. now it's just another venue they get up sure. and they play and then they get yeah. off and do it. but it used to be you know because chastain park is another mm -hmm. place where people bring their picnic basket sure. and they bring their bottle of wine and whatever and people would, and, and artists would interact but the winery sounds like it's a smaller venue right? oh it's tiny. oh yeah 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 i mean maybe 150 yeah oh, wow maybe i mean it's it's small yeah yeah okay. yeah but it's cool they i mean it's got a great bar it's got really good food and it, they i don't know what it is that they, they brew their own wine is that correct i don't know how do you make wine 
they wine their own wine? You put it in a barrel <laughs> for a long time. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, I just don't know if that's distilled or what, but they, they know, do that there. I just know that they get like people that like get in buckets and jump up and down on grapes. <laughs> you see too that. many reruns. That's, that's why I don't drink wine. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't drink wine. I can't have that. <laughs> Beat them grapes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make jam and wine. <laughs> Yeah, the great club, man. If you ever see somebody that you like that shows up there, Aldi Miola was there like a month ago. Really wanted to see that, but it's working. It's working. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just they, they run some really cool artists through there, and it's very intimate. Do you have any idea how many concert tickets I've bought over the years? I was going to take my kids. We're going to go do this. We're going to do that. Right. And I end up having to give mine away. Mm-hmm. Because some damn gig comes up. Yeah. You know? And as a freelancer, you're like, you don't know when the next gig's coming, so I'm just going to take everything. Yeah, and uh, you end up working yourself to death. That's the way it works, man. I mean, you you don't say no because they stop calling. You know, right. hey, hey, what time does this one end? Yeah, I can do that gig. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it, dude. It's like that third record contract, right? Right, right. Yeah, if you don't take it, yeah, the next one's not coming. Suddenly, yeah. Yeah, for me, it was two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, that's just the way it is. I mean. And that, I mean, somebody told me that at the very early age in this in this business, and and I took it to heart, man. I mean, you know, as a as a freelancer, uh, it was not uncommon for me to have like ten days off between January and June, just ten. Uh, and you know, that's because I had to pay my taxes on that day. You know, that type of thing. Right. Uh, oh shit! I haven't finished my taxes yet. Oh, those things do themselves nowadays. I mean, surely you get Diana. <laughs> you get Diana hey Diana, would you do me a favor, girl? I need you to get on my taxes, okay? I appreciate it. Yes, sir. I am working on it. Like I don't do enough around here already. Oh, quit your bitch. <laughs> Sorry, Diana. Didn't mean to get you in. I filed an extension already. <laughs> my accountant's like, you do know that they keep charging you. Even you know you filed the extension. They're going to charge you back from this date. I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah. He goes, well, just get them to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, when I can't. I'm telling yeah. you, just get on a payment program, pay yeah. it on time every month, and do it for the rest of your life. Right. Because yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. That's all you do. So yeah. speaking of what rest of your lives, so how do you guys think this business being what it is, how it's demanding and last minute, how is it that we balance our work-life balance? Well, hell, work life's all I have right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it's pretty easy. So that's the, that's the deal, right? Just work. Yeah, I go home. I watch it's my one more work life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no hyphen, right? It's right, just right. work life. You've called me at least 10 times this week. Oh, at least. You've called me 1 o'clock in the afternoon and 10 o'clock at night. What did I tell you I was doing every time you called me? Drawing. <laughs> Drawing. Yep. Exactly. So I don't, I don't have no real life anymore i watch my stories on netflix (laughs) i have a few beers on the weekend and that's just and i work right that's it (laughs) how about you buddy yeah uh you know lately in the past couple years i've actually started to force myself and it truly is forcing yourself to do it uh to you know have a life outside of the the office or the show floor i mean it's or the truck or the plane or the airport or whatever. Yeah, because, I mean, that's... Don't get Alan started yeah, in airports. Oh, yeah, no, I, I've heard that kind of baiting him over here. We'll get back to that. Uh, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, if you get in this business and you stay in it for any amount of time, you love it, and that's why you're there. Sure. Uh, so, yes, I do love it. It does provide a, you know, a, a comfortable life for myself and my family. And, you know, yeah, am I getting worn out early? Yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. I mean, it's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I mean, I still love it. And, you know, luckily my family's dealt with me working long hours, you know, like my daughter all her life and my son, same. Uh, my wife, yeah, same. Uh, right. So I'm not sure they want me around a whole lot more than I am, you know? I mean, I understand that. Take them out to dinner, they like that. But, you know, <laughs> you know, family vacations, that type of thing, that's cool. Dad, yeah, Scott, we're going to go to the bar. You should probably stay here and play parcheesi or something right i don't even play parcheesi. when are you leaving again yeah exactly yeah <laughs> i like it better when you send the checks yeah. <laughs> since direct deposit became a thing yeah but like, you, like you were just asking brian you know you work life from your home life and like bill said on the last episode and you said earlier on this episode what we do you know, there's just such a camaraderie oh yeah there. it's like yeah. you really do have two families true yeah you know Very well and, and bill was saying on the on our last one that um you know, it's the closest thing he's ever seen to, to the military, military yeah. being in the military. That's the same thing. I you think, know? Yeah. So it's like, look at us now. We're on our own time. Yeah. We're not working. 
mm-hmm. right? But we've been friends for 25 years or so, and oh, yeah. here we are. What are we doing on our time? Yeah, there's We're cables. Some sort of pro- yeah, there's cables all over your table. <laughs> yeah, it's not a day without cables. Right? <laughs> but that's absolutely right. You know, I mean, I was thinking, I, thinking that for years. I mean, this is the closest to being in combat without getting shot at. Uh, <laughs> You well, know. it depends where you are. Well, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've done plenty. Yeah, I mean, geez, remember the BET? Oh, yeah. Roads? Yeah. Uh, Linda's got her own little uh, bulletproof Kevlar vest. Yeah, it's in, it, well, I can't remember what her nickname is now. The Promptress. Yeah, the Promptress. Yeah, she's got it stenciled onto it. Yeah, she's like, seriously? Yeah, you're on stage, dude. You want this? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it is, you know, I mean, it, there's the guys that get it, the guys that are the best in the top tier of this shit, they they don't leave a man behind, you know, I mean, right. you're lighting. If you see me struggling with video and, you know, if it's something that you can do, you're going to stick behind after you've been cut. Well, maybe not video, but, uh, just so you know. right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Bad, bad example. If it was audio <laughs> and Brian was running and, uh, he just, Oh, well, that would be fucked up. We all know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just needs one more driveline. So now, you know, <laughs> just one. I have a radio. I know how to use Spotify. Yeah. I, I'm eligible to be an audio guy. Yeah, I'll drive the lift. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, you sons of bitches! I swear. <laughs> oh man, let's see if I can make this one work. I love scotch. I love scotch. <laughs> scotch is got scotch. Ears oh, goes down, down into my belly. <laughs> <laughs> I got a text message from Bobby one night, and that's all it said. <laughs> I love scotch. <laughs> Uh, like, I, what the hell are you talking about where are you yeah i don't he's know like, and i'm trying scotch for the first time he's like yeah. i'm drinking scotch at the airport in sarasota <laughs> like i didn't even know there was an airport <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll tell you like bobby and i have a couple stories yeah yeah um some of them we agreed that we'd never ever speak <laughs> yeah no, oh, those are the ones we're talking about right now <laughs> yeah that's it yeah. yeah yeah uh i i do remember we can you want to tell everybody the new the noon story the yeah. noon story that, that was that's a, a quite a bit of a controversial story as well because <laughs> some of the guys on the crew that day waiting for your arrival were not amused by my story but here's what happened we were doing this arena show out in vegas and uh the arena is, you know, not attached to the hotel that we're at, but I catch him and then another lighting guy on the casino floor. Yeah, it's going to be about midnight or whatever it was. It wasn't terribly late, but I was, okay, look, we did the pre-rig today. We're doing the real thing tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to bed. I approached the two guys. They're in a very uh, locked in into a conversation. And I was like, guys, look, it's midnight. We've got a 9 a.m. load in or, you know, call time tomorrow. And uh, yeah, we're professionals, Bobby. Don't you ain't got to tell us what time it's called. Time is it's on page two. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was like, all right, boys, and I, I go on to my room. Uh, and uh, the next day, um, <laughs> I get down to the show floor. And I mean, this is a pretty big show. It's probably 120 points or whatever it was. Uh, there's a lot of people in the room. I mean, it's you know 100 plus people. You know, locals uh, between the riggers and the the hands and what have you. And uh, one of the people that wasn't in the room, uh, actually two of them were the two guys I'm talking about, uh, <laughs> one, one of which is uh, yours truly right here. And uh, so I, I call and I, I say, it. I mean, hell, he was there, Craig. Yeah. 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 No, no, please name names. Yeah, I, I, I call him up and I'm like, you know, because uh, he's player. <laughs> he's player two uh, in this scenario. I call him up and this is like, you know, five after nine. Right. But you know, we all know, you know, yeah. Better an hour early than a minute late, all that, you know, right. That is true. Uh, so I call him up like five after maybe three after whatever. Oh shit, man. I was like, okay, Mr. Professional, get your ass in. (laughs) So yeah, he's, he's on his way. And so I call Alan next and between the two calls, it dawned on me that I just missed a great opportunity. So I call Alan and obviously wake him up, uh, you know, and by now it's like 904, 906, somewhere in there. Um, dude, what are you doing? Where the fuck are you? What, what, what time is it? I said, it's noon, motherfucker. <laughs> Lunchtime. Do you eat it? <laughs> There's some guys down here asking some definite fucking uh, designer questions and I need your ass here. I've got 120 motherfuckers waiting on you right now. <laughs> oh, shit, sh- nude. <laughs> <laughs> Get here, hang up. You know, 
and just ball laughing. You know, I'm just laying on the floor and you got Rick Nable and, you know, Ricky or whoever else was there. You know, they're just like, dude, that is uncool. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, unless you got to do it. Meant to be funny as hell. You know, and some of the guys were laughing their ass like the, the audio team. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, he's balling too. Yeah. He, I mean, I swear it, it couldn't have been more than three minutes later. And I know how far it was from the hotel, man. He was like tying his shoe as he's hopping in on one. <laughs> hadn't looked at his phone yet so he has no idea that it's now like 9 11 12 whatever it was you know has no ideas oh fuck oh fuck <laughs> i just walked in i didn't let him dangle on the hook for too long but yeah that was that was fun and uh, of course never have lived that down god that was 15 years ago yeah. <laughs> when somebody goes bob yeller and i was like oh i got a story to tell <laughs> Couldn't help myself, man. Uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, you could probably tell that same story about every single person in this room. Yeah, uh, sure. Me five times. Yeah, a, a version <laughs> of, yes, yeah. And, and me too. I mean, I've, I've never got that call. Yeah. <laughs> you coming in today? Oh, fuck. I didn't think I was going to come in today. You guys got this, right? <laughs> I can tell you this for a fact. If you go into a show day and I'm an hour late and Bobby's got his arm in a sling that's made out of a hotel towel, you're gonna have a good fucking day. You're gonna have a good day. <laughs> yeah, somebody <laughs> has. Yeah, it's gonna work out. Yeah, it's gonna work out for you because I'm not gonna say shit because I'm embarrassed, and he ain't gonna say shit because he's in pain. Oh yeah. So right. you're gonna have yeah. one free pass day to do whatever it yep, is you want to do. Run the feeder backwards. Start tomorrow. Whatever. We're gonna start. Yeah. <laughs> you can run the feeder backwards that day, and we'll get we'll find you an adapter. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, <laughs> I will special order one. I don't care. No problem. Yep. Yep. Let me go talk to the local here. I got you covered, man. Don't worry. No, don't turn it around. I'll just, I'll take care of it. <laughs> Still got my phone hand. <laughs> my phone hand. Plus 708. <laughs> all those, all those MLM gigs that we did, it was like multiple flights for meetings, multiple, oh, yeah. or at least one flight for uh, site surveys. And then you had the gig. But when we were doing the site surveys and the meetings, that was just, <laughs> That was just debauchery, I think. Yeah, it yeah. Was, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, the closest, uh, back to being a rock star. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally get picked up by the city of Atlantic City or Las Vegas or wherever we were by a limo from the city uh, to be taken and just treated like kings. I mean, you know, hey, here's our finest suite other than the top two because those go to the actual client who's putting 10,000 heads in beds. Uh, you know, but yeah, here's our top suites. And yeah, we'd like to start you off with this $150 appetizer, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was nuts, nuts. I mean, you know, Hey, you like Aerosmith? Yeah, sure. Well, they're playing. Come on, let's go down here. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, we had more fun and, you know, and of course we ditched, ditched the city and the client as quick as we could and, <laughs> and then go out and proceed to have more fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Th those were great times. We, uh, we got to accomplish some amazing shows and had some amazing memories. Uh, yep. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I got to dive. I, I got to dive into this other story. Uh, okay. Same MLM, um, basically same crew. Load in. Well, actually, it was travel day. Anyway, we go to this bar. I take the crew to the bar. And basically, I would do this. I would open a tab and let them the crew know to just say, say my name. And I talk to the bartenders. And yeah, so I'd buy, you know, $1,000 worth of booze for the, for the crew in the first night, you know, get them good and hung over so that they're surly and, you know, <laughs> you know, trying to sweat it out, they'll work harder. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we get done at this one bar and we're in New Orleans and we're walking down the street and uh, Rick Neville is telling a story about he had just gotten a phone call. Uh, his dog had eaten a whole box of uh, those junior mints or uh, the Andes mints, the, okay. right? And he ate, the dog ate like the wrappers and all. And we're on the street walking down the sidewalk. There's like a gang of 10 of us. And, you know, and he finishes his, uh, his little diatribe with the, the phrase, stupid dog. And at the exact same time that this lady was getting out of her car with like a little, you know, shih tzu <laughs> under, her, under her arm. And, and she just looks over and she's like, what's wrong with my dog? And then 10 of us just immediately jumped on that shit. Yeah, Rick, what's wrong with her dog? <laughs> hey, man, you dog hater, asshole. <laughs> He's like, well, I just, I was talking about it. Uh, yeah, another great uh, road story. <laughs> it's so funny how people do that. So recently we were up at uh, Augusta for the Masters and we all decided we were going to get together after work and then go to dinner and ricky didn't show right so we show up at the restaurant and i'm there with josh and the guy comes up to see us and he goes how many is it and he goes well for right now it's four but there's definitely going to be five 
We just got to get our fifth guy back. <laughs> right. And guy bites a hundred percent. Right. And he comes over and he puts a chair at the end of our booth. Right. So now this becomes Perfect. Ricky's chair. Right. Yeah. And it's completely empty. You tilt it over and turn the cup over. Oh yeah. We did the whole thing. <laughs> and uh, the guy goes, so what happened to Ricky? And Josh goes, well, I think he, he must've got arrested because he was taking a shower at Walmart. <laughs> And we're all looking at him like, okay, we're, we're going with you. We don't know sure, where man. you're going. Yep. You just He's like, yeah, him. he went in and got one of those camp showers. Then he went out to where they watered the flowers and he filled <laughs> up the camp shower. And then he started taking a shower at Walmart. And I'm pretty sure that Walmart security's got him right now yeah. in custody. Oh yeah. But he'll be here quick. Yeah. Cause you know, they can't hold him. It's for, only a misdemeanor for, for Walmart. Yeah, yeah. That's what <laughs> he went on this old diatribe about it. And then we kept like taking pictures of all of us sitting in his seat. Right. <laughs> You're not using it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you order some food on him? No, we didn't. No, we man. didn't do that. It's hard to do didn't that. Didn't get that far because Josh ate everything in the building. Right. Yeah. That, that can Unbelievable, be, yeah. dude. Well, he's just going to go work for another, work out for like three hours. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. We're walking into the hotel. I'm like, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to go uh, to my car and, you know, smoke a little and then I'm going to go work out. Yeah. I'm like, who the hell goes and works out at one o'clock in the morning after you just got done eating, drinking, and smoking? he's like well you know gotta stay in shape gotta stay on my schedule (laughs) yeah no every fucking day one o'clock that's where i'm at that's where i'm at it doesn't matter what i've been doing you know i I just go you know discipline (laughs) great guy great guy yeah Yeah. but that again going back to the whole you know that the camaraderie yeah you got you got these people's back yeah yeah i'm gonna hold this chair all fucking night yeah if i have to and they're never gonna show that's fine i'll give the i'll give the server a little something extra or whatever but yeah yeah it's just like that yeah it is it is it's Honestly, it's, I mean, for those of you that are looking into the business or looking at the business or want to be involved in the business, one of the greatest gifts that this business will give you is friends. Yeah. Because it truly is very much to what Bill made the point of. It, it's the most undisciplined, disciplined business, business right? that you could ever possibly be in. True. And the friends that you make are like lifelong, lifelong friends. friends. I mean, yeah. Brian and I have known each other for 25, 28 yeah. years. I've known you for 18 yeah. years yeah. at yeah. least. We've all worked yeah. together and you, you maintain those relationships. Yeah. I mean, truth be told, we all watch our kids grow up, sure. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're all friends with each other's wives and families and yeah, yeah. I mean, we know everything about vacations each Vacations and holidays. Yeah. You know, you know, I mean, yeah. a lot of times those were on the road. Yeah. <laughs> You know, birthdays and what have you. You remember back in the day when I used to do the Peachtree Road Race every year? Oh, yeah. And we used yeah. to come up and watch the fireworks with you guys. Yeah. So here's how this would go. <laughs> Gail would set out a blanket. Her and Robin would set up all the stuff. Kelsey and Bryce would be running around doing crazy nonsense. Yeah. Bobby's setting up trying to get food together and all that. And here I am on the blanket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just, hey, man, could you just put on a movie? Uh, I would. What sleep. do you want to watch? Doesn't matter. I would sleep the, <laughs> the whole damn day. And then I'd wake up right before the time for fireworks right? and just jump in. All right, where's my beer? All right, yep. yeah, I'm here. I'm participating. It was like showing up so that I could say, here. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, just like being back in you know junior high again. Yeah, because that gig used to be, the, I mean, in the genius that used to produce this thing, the way we'd do it is we'd load in at 6 p.m. the night before the road race. Okay. Right. And then we'd stay there overnight to be our own security. Right. For our PA towers. In the back of the truck. In the back of a truck. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, my front of house position was in the back of a 24-foot truck. Yeah, well, that's a... And I would sleep in it. That's it, a whole great deal you cut on that one. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was perfect for 28 years. I can only yeah. imagine who was in charge of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then we'd do the gig, and we'd load it all out, and then I would drive up to Canton mm-hmm. and meet Robin and Bryce and Bobby, Gail, and Kelsey there. Right. Okay. Yeah. And by the time I got there, I had been awake for like 21 hours. Oh, yeah. It was time. You know, yeah, it, it was, was time. You're I went to sleep. sleep. It didn't matter. You're just glad I got to the driveway <laughs> Every before year. it started. Yeah. And I was like, hey, guys, I'm here. Boom. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, know, you know, my rainy day, Sunday afternoon, I need to fall asleep movie has always been the, the hunt for Red October. Oh, yeah. That's puts me to, that yeah. puts me to bed right Well, now. I mean, what's exciting about submarines? I mean, yeah. I, I've yeah. seen it a thousand times. So, so yeah. It's more of a, it's, it's right. more of like a internal thing that says, okay, time to go to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's anything Harry Potter, and and that stems from being home. My wife is a huge fan, uh, so she'll put it on just for background noise, right? right? You know, right. so she'll be working on her computer, or whatever, at night in the bed, and I can't get through the opening credits. <laughs> I mean, I, I've turned that movie on a hundred times, literally, and I, 
can't say for sure that I've seen the whole thing. Any of them. There you go. Yeah. Even know who the characters are. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? How like could I you? Said, not? I said big fan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like her fiftieth birthday party was Harry Potter. Harry Potter party. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. It sure was. Yeah. So, uh, what do you guys got coming up? Anything special? I'm not asking you, Bobby, first right. because you know you have a full time job. Yeah. And it is Wednesday in the afternoon, and we're at your house doing this. Dude. Right? Yeah. Are you I know. Get in trouble for doing this? Or yeah. If we could edit out that Wednesday part, yeah. <laughs> no, I uh, I actually uh, took the day off uh, in advance. Uh, once we you know landed on a date, I said I'm not coming in. <laughs> and uh, and uh, oddly enough, they agreed. Uh, yeah, but you know they are the, the company I work for now, ETM. Well, I'll give them a pop, but uh, fantastic, great place to work, and they actually want you to have that life work balance and they insist upon it i mean they will yeah if you if you're out in the in the field for seven days don't come in for the next three you know it, it's it's that cool yeah. uh so yeah they gave me the time off to be here today uh as far as what's coming up next i'm in i'm back in austin again austin yeah. texas uh, same hotel. on monday same hotel that brian and i have worked at before uh it's a block away from or two blocks away from the hotel that i was at last week right. uh i was Jesus, I'm in Texas. I went to Austin on the 1st of March. We went from Austin to Dallas. Um, I was That was 12-day run. Uh, so I've, I've done a lot of Texas here in the last couple of months. Right. And uh, yeah, it, it's great, though. I mean, it's the same hotel. That it, it's I always go down and visit the Fairmont, uh, yeah. you know, uh, just because we established a, a certain relationship down there at the, the hotel <laughs> bar. Yeah. yeah, we were just down there shooting, doing one of these without mics, uh, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it turns out we were entertaining to the to the bartenders by the by the end of the week. They're buying us shots. There you yeah. go. They, they yeah. literally were, they, you know, so. So, yeah, I always stop back in there and say hi to the folks. And, you know, they've changed their menu as of last week anyway. Yeah, I was heartbroken when you texted me. You and me both, man. I, I, I mean, it was like five blocks to that hotel from mine. And I walked five blocks just to get that <laughs> after walking 30,000 steps earlier that day. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, when I got there, they didn't have what I wanted. But, you know, the food was still good. It was, they still have a lot of their favorites. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I'll be in Austin. Then I'm uh, down in Orlando. I go up to Chicago. I'm, you know, it's it's the busy time of the year. I'm looking forward to July. So yeah, yeah, it's one thing after the next. Really got some really cool shows coming up. I've been on. Oh, that's good. I've been on like a Florida run, yeah. almost Florida. Because let's say Florida and Southern Georgia. Because I started out doing a gig at the Masters, and that was absolutely incredible. I couldn't post anything on social media. I couldn't talk about it. But now that it's over. It was nice to be like on the green in an area of the Masters, so even some of the people who go there and pay to be there can't be there, right? You know, and that that was fun. And then uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at FAU University. You know, finally, this FAU basketball team makes it into the Final Four, so it was a big deal down there. Sure. Now, the show I did wasn't because of the Final Four, but it was heightened this year because of that. So that was a fun week, and I'm getting ready to go on a Columbus, Georgia run which is short and sweet. And then from there down to Miami right. and get to work at the fountain blue, oh, you know, which will be nice. Yeah. I haven't been there in 20 years yeah. other than the site survey we did a few weeks ago, but that's my, that's my thing. Coming I'm telling up. you, you saw the spite wall, right? I saw the spite wall. I love that. That's my <laughs> favorite thing about the fountain blue. You know, that story. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> for, for everybody that doesn't ask a local guy that's in the production business, he'll, he'll know it. Trust me. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it's when you have enough money to build enough money to block out the sun. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly what they're trying to do. Well. Uh, and another great city. You, Brian, you just came back from Savannah, right? I did. Yes. Yeah. I've been spending a lot of time in Savannah lately, actually. Oh, that's a city I love too. Yeah. Me too. Great city. Me too. Um, I mean, you, you can't do much better. I mean, Savannah is as close to Charleston as you're ever going to find in Georgia. And you know, as a historic city like that, that's so pretty, pretty and beautiful, you know, but just like any other city, you got to know exactly where not to go. Right. Right. That's just anywhere you go. I yeah. Mean, I mean, that's one of the perils of our business. Unfortunately. I mean, most of the time we're working in downtown metropolitan areas and it's not always sure. a desirable neighborhood. And, Oh yeah. You know, that's, that's why uh, complete truth for you when traveling at night, especially after drunk travel with your crew. Yeah, travel with your crew. Because yeah, there oh, is yeah. safety in numbers. Most of the time, yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, if there's enough of you and you're right. drunken yeah. buffoons, people right. just stay away from you. Yep. Not because they're afraid of you, just because they don't want anything to do yep. with you. Yeah, it's the right. smell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
you know, it's not often that a guy like me, you know, middle-aged white guys walking down the street and someone sees me coming and they cross the street. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's supposed to be reserved for the dangerous people. Oh yeah. I uh, know there's nothing more dangerous than a drunk middle-aged white guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> Turns out. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. Approach with peril. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's either going to fall on you or, uh, yeah. It's going to be worse. He's going to want you to talk to him. Yeah. He's going to talk to you about his troubles. <laughs> I think this has been a fantastic episode. Absolutely. Uh, I've got a ball. Yeah. Thanks for hosting us. Hey, man. Hey, anytime. I could be your regular if you guys want. Hey, man. <laughs> I mean, this is a lot nicer than my shitty apartment. We did the last one. No, this is great, man. I mean, honestly, it's been fantastic. It's been lightning. And, uh, you know, to the listeners out there, I hope that you uh, not only gain some insight into who our, who our friends are and what our business is, but really how you get it done. I mean, we can do more in-depth technical interviews, but the point of it is it's not what you know, it's who you know. Truly. Right. And when you know the right people and you put the right people in the right places and you humble yourself to take the position that you deserve, like for me, it's always been in my whole, my heart of heart and my soul of soul. I'm a sound guy. Yeah. But at times I've been asked to step into a different position and help the team. And you have to be willing to help the team in whatever way you can, even if it's not what you really want to be doing. If it does help the team, you will pull a certain amount of joy from that. And it will make your production life, especially that much better because at the end of the day, we all do it because we love it. We all do it because we're passionate for it. We all do it because it's a daily challenge because technology changes on a day-to-day basis. And I know that all you young kids like to joke out there, oh, well, he's 50. I have to use his phone for him. We can teach him how to listen to a text message. <laughs> well, guess what, motherfuckers? I just set all this shit up in 20 minutes, and it'll be in a case. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Kiss my ass. <laughs> and on that note, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you all for listening to ABB and The Complete Truth. Until next time. <laughs>